0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. Judge
1: Hodgman, special episode today, the very first day. Special episode, special episode, special.
0: I had no idea you had a corral prepared for the occasion. (laughs) Um, It's the first day of Max Fun Week. So it starts today when this episode comes out, which is October 15th, runs a week through October 21st, and um, it is a special celebration of uh, the fans of MaximumFun.org and all of the things that we do here at MaximumFun.org. I'm really excited about it. First time we've ever done it. Um, And we have so many awesome activities planned for the week. Like what? Well... Today is Max Fun Trivia Day. Today, Wednesday, October fifteenth, which may or may not be the time that people are listening to this. Uh, people are going to be, uh, if, if you follow at Max Fun HQ on Twitter, uh, we will be giving away prizes to people answering uh, Max Fun Trivia questions correctly. Uh, like Thursday- what would be
1: like? What would be a trivia question? Give me. Do you have one? Give me one. Give me a freebie. I'll ask one. Okay, go for it. Uh... Well, I just did, as part of Max Fun Week, um, a very fun crossover episode with My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Which of the three McElroy brothers did not appear in the first season of My Brother, My Brother, and Me and then suddenly appeared and they acted as though he was there the whole time like Sandra on the Bill Cosby show? (laughs) Well, I I guess that's for you to know and for us to find out. Listen to the show and find out which of your three McElroy brothers is a ghost McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, Octo- you sound under the weather. I am a little
0: bit under the weather. This is so no I- way to start Max Fun Week. I apologize if I if I ho- if I hawk up any chunks of lung during the course of this program. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday is Leave a Review Day. There are literally tens of thousands of you who have not yet reviewed this program or the other Max Fun shows that you listen to on iTunes. That makes a really huge difference, um, so we really appreciate it when people do that. So that's Thursday the 16th.
1: Friday, October 17th. Let me take this one, Jesse. Sure. You, you, you cough, you cough uh, into your consumption cloth for a little bit. Friday, October 17th is Immediate Summary Judgment Day. That's for Judge John Hodgman superfans And I'm going to allow medium fans as well. We'll post an audio (laughs) clip of one of the cultural references uh, on Twitter at MaxFunHQ. That's at MaxFunHQ. Be the first person with the right answer to identify that audio clip, and you will get into our prize drawing. Yeah, we're going to be giving away prizes all week long. we
0: got too much crap in the closet. Okay, I can't wait. Saturday is uh, Draw the Adventure Zone Adventurers. So basically... The, speaking of the McElroy brothers, they recently, in lieu of doing the actual format of their podcast, decided to spend an entire show playing Dungeons and Dragons with their dad. <laughs> And um, they, each, they each created a character. We will be giving out prizes to the people who best visually represent those characters on that day. Sunday the 19th, this is the big one. Uh, we're going to have meetups all around the country from 7 to 9 p.m. So wherever you live, um, look at uh, MaximumFun.org slash MaxFunMeetup. Um, and we will have more information about where you can go. Uh, to have a meetup where you live, meet up with other Max Fun pals. Um, the people who listen to these shows are very, very nice. It is a very pleasant time to meet up. And I say that as someone who has a lot of extra responsibilities whenever I go to one of these meetups, which is to say, I have to be nice to everyone. Um, and uh, I always have a great time. Wait a
1: minute, Jesse, you say that's October 19th? Yeah, Sunday, well- October 19th. All right, I'm going to be in Madison, Wisconsin, performing at the Barrymore Theater with uh, uh, Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy that night. And normally after the show, I like to have a quiet martini and watch Captain America uh, on the lodge net and uh, eat uh, a couple of hamburgers. But what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to organize a meetup. I haven't even told those guys about it. I'm just having this idea now. I'm going to organize a big meetup uh, in Madison, and uh, and I hope you will come to see the show But if you're a MaxFun listener, you can come to the meetup as well
0: Well, I mean, I can't imagine anyone would miss out on the opportunity To hang out with not only Judge John Hodgman But also Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett
1: Two of yeah. the most pleasant men in the world Yeah, and they don't even know about it yet And they haven't given me permission to use their names But I'm saying they're going to be there And you're going to love them And they're going to love meeting you
0: Wait a minute. You don't have permission to use their names? Does this mean that it's not actually them? It's just you performing as
1: them? <laughs> I might be doing my Kevin Murphy, Bill Corbett impersonation, <laughs> but that's world famous too.
0: Um, Monday, October 20th is Share Your Favorite Max Fun Episode Day. All on Twitter and Facebook, we're going to be asking you to share your favorite episode of your favorite Max Fun shows. And on Tuesday, October 21st, we are going to be broadcasting a. Um, a, a, a black-and-white version of the MaxFun uh, rocket logo and encouraging people to create artwork from them. Well, you are you going to be broadcasting it? Yeah, we're going to be broadcasting
1: using in, Internet. Oh, I understand. What you do is get your fax machines out and hold the phone receiver up to your podcast, and we'll go, ee-oo, ee and, <laughs> and then a rocket will come out? I'm thinking we're probably going to use the portable
0: document format from Adobe. Oh, okay, very good. That's fine. Um, now... So all of those things, you can find more information at MaximumFun.org slash MaxFunWeek. And we hope that you'll join us because it's going to be really cool and fun. Um, Let's get on to the questions that we have here for you, the judge, to answer. Okay. The first one's from Eric. I bring a case against my friend Susanna. I invited Susanna to my birthday party at a popular local restaurant. Susanna won't go because she hates group dinners. She says she gets anxious over splitting the bill at the end of the meal and that it always creates drama. No one likes the process of splitting the bill, but if everyone splits it evenly on their credit cards, it's no big deal.
1: I would like the judge to order Susanna to come to my birthday dinner. Splitting a check at a restaurant causes anxiety at all times because really it's something that should never happen. Going out to dinner is an opportunity to be generous or to receive someone's generosity, and it is always the best When your dad or your boss or your friend or your wife or your husband just pays for dinner. And it is even more the best when you reach a point in your life when you are able to pay for someone else's dinner. But a big group dinner, obviously, gets a little bit more complicated. And we don't all have the means to be treating our friends to din din all the time. So the check does need to be split. Susanna is wrong in the sense that there does not have to be drama. There are calculators that are on almost every smart device and inside of every glasses and imprinted in most people's heads at this point. And all you need to do is make sure everyone has enough cash and enough small denominations. And then you just do the math and you figure out what everyone owes and you put a big pile of cash on the table and you walk out of there feeling like bosses The drama happens when people get anxious because, well, he had drinks and I didn't have drinks and I don't want to split it evenly. I think it is unfair to ask your server to split up a check among more than three cards, let's say. Two is more or less acceptable in the practice these days. Three is tolerated. Four, you're turning into a weirdo and a jerk. Don't do that. But the benefit of splitting up between cards is clear. People are paying for what they bought what they ate what they drank and so what you do to eliminate drama at the table is first of all don't split the check evenly because some people like to drink a bunch of beers and some people don't you go through the printed thing you figure out what everyone had to eat and you create a little mental or actual spreadsheet and just do it fairly no one minds paying their fair share Now, if all of this feels a little awkward and weird, you're right. But you're young people. That's why you don't have a lot of money and you need to figure out and you can't spend more than you have. And I understand all of that. All you can do is make sure that you have enough money to pay for your meal that you are. Don't try to uh, skimp on the check. And if there are anyone in your group who does skimp on the check, cover them and then don't invite them anymore. But none of this, none of this anxiety has is a reason to skip someone's birthday dinner. And, uh, and therefore Susanna must go to this birthday dinner. And I, uh, order her to order, um, well, you know, if they have escargot on the menu, get it. Cause I've always wanted to try it.
0: I had a friend in college named James and, uh, James would always go out to, you know, you're in college, you're always going out together to eat and splitting the bill. And, uh, we'd go out to, uh, the pizzeria or a, Pizza My Heart in Santa <laughs> Cruz. <laughs> and uh and James, you know, James would always order something, you know, he'd order a uh chicken parm or something, and it cost eleven dollars, and at the en- end of the meal, he'd hand whoever was paying the bill eleven dollars. <laughs> and no amount of cajoling or uh, cajoling or, or complaining could get James to provide any amount of money above and beyond the menu list price of whatever food he had just consumed. Well, he wasn't including for tax?
1: (laughs) Neither tax nor tip. Oh, yeah. Look, you guys, don't be a James. The the reason that there is drama is because people try to get away with little things like that. They save a dollar here or there. They try to say, well, I wasn't really that hungry, so I'm going to give you $5. I didn't mean to come to this dinner. (laughs) All kinds of tricks for not paying your way. Being cheap cheapens you, makes you feel bad, makes you look bad. Don't do it. If you can't afford to do a thing, don't do it. Stay home. Have integrity. Watch a TV show. Eat discargo at home.
0: Enjoy some podcasts. Yeah, that's a good idea. Here's something from Mark. One of my oldest friends, Justin, refuses to use a knife when eating. Unless oh my he God. deems it absolutely necessary. No matter how tough the steak, he saws away at his food and my sanity with the dull edge of his fork. This I've already is, made my decision but you can continue to read. This is compounded by two more factors. One, Justin has an abnormally small child-sized mouth, meaning he can only eat tiny bites of food.
1: Now see, I I I I had I had braced myself for this being this guy being offensively wrong. I did not brace myself for this question being nauseating. Go on. Two, he ceases to eat. Whenever he's
0: speaking, I've witnessed him suspend a forkful of spaghetti in midair for over two minutes while he goes on and on. All of this means he takes forever to eat, and his dining companions have to wait forever to start on dessert. Please help.
1: I don't care how old your friend is, you should stop going out to eat with him. Because it's gross, him talking with his tiny mouth while holding a big, a big spaghetti torch in the air. Gross you uh, you write a, you write a letter that does not flatter justin and indeed he deserves no flattery uh while you would never take a knife to a plate of spaghetti uh you certainly uh would take a knife uh to a steak S- trying to get some trying to fork cut a steak makes you look like a dumb child come on i have now reached a point where my own human children I realize have not been properly trained by me or any adults in their lives on uh, how to cut food with a knife and fork. And we're going to I'm basically going to have to send them to a special camp, I think, at this point, (laughs) because there is nothing there is nothing more distractingly tragic than seeing a grown man or woman eat their food like a toddler. And that includes grabbing the knife or grabbing the fork like in your full fist and sticking it into the middle of something and then eating it like, uh, uh, oh, there are those of you out there who are listening, who are loyal listeners and maybe even Max Fun. Members and supporters, and I love you very much, but I know you know that you do this and you have to stop. Learn to use your knife and fork properly, like a grown-up. That's part of the beauty of being a grown-up, is that you get to do that. You point that fork down with your index finger and in your left hand. You cut with your right hand. You lift with your left hand. That's the European style. How sophisticated you look. How fantastic it feels to be a member of society instead of a weird feral beast. And then as for this thing about uh not eating while talking, that's called uh, politeness. It's not that the, it's not that your friend's problem isn't that he he should be talking with his mouth full. He should shut his tiny mouth a little bit more often, but that's something you're never going to be able to change. I authorize you to continue to see your friend at dining places you sh- you cannot tell him to shut up some of the time because that's rude. But you can tell him that what he's doing with his steak is dumb and Judge John Hodgman
0: says so. My basically perfect wife grew up in a home that was substantially without meat because her younger sister was a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we moved in together, I realized that she didn't know how to cut things with a knife. Uh huh, uh huh. She would basically like you, it would, she would use the knife as though it was basically as though it was a second fork and, and she was trying to tear two things apart. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fine because she was raised in
1: an unusual environment.
0: Well, I think the moral of this story is um, I showed her in a very nice way the efficacy of using a relatively light pressure and allowing the serration of your steak knife to do the work. Um, and it has immeasurably enhanced not only my life because I no longer have to look at her struggling to tear pieces of meat in half, uh, but also it's improved her life, and uh, she's very glad to have had this uh, to have had this skill added to her arsenal. So I think that um, I think that it's entirely possible that Justin just grew up in some kind of weird home where knives weren't allowed because they were, you know. Eighth Day Adventists
1: or something. Um, yeah, yes. I, and I, you know, by by calling out the listeners who use their knives and forks incorrectly and calling them Cretans and weirdos, I may have gone a little bit too far. It may be that they, that they come from a culture where these things are unusual for whatever reason. A weird Cretanist culture. <laughs> but, you know, what, when when presented with a tool... What Patty Smith calls the beautiful handiwork of man. These are these are things that were created by the ingenuity of man and womankind. You do them a disservice to use them incorrectly. Uh, cutting a stake or a piece of satan uh, properly is uh, doing honor to the craftsmanship of the person who invented uh, these wonderful things that we have. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to use a tool properly. And Jesse, I'm glad you brought up what you did because you said something that I wish I had, that I, that I didn't know until late in life, and I think a lot of people don't know, and it's important to know, which is that when cutting with a knife, let the knife do the work. If you have a dull knife, then you got to get that sharpened. But a sharp knife, you know, the, 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 the cleaving uh, uh, that happens happens because you're moving the knife back and forth with, as you say, gentle pressure. A lot of people take a knife in any situation a bread knife, a steak knife or whatever and they try to shove that thing almost almost you know sort of uh, at a 90 degree angle to the table down and that's how injuries happen. A nice well sharpened knife or serrated knife you move that back and forth it'll it'll cut through it'll cut through that that, uh, that thing like a knife through <laughs> through butter or another soft thing. <laughs> By the way, you should be eating your butter with a fork and knife too. Come on everybody, grow up. Yeah, God, the whole bread thing is gross. <laughs> my mother-in-law would eat a stick of butter with a knife and fork if she were allowed to.
0: I you.: <laughs> so, so would my own father. My own father grew up in an all-American household where butter was the main dish and other foods were the condiment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Carry that. That's what you need to get the butter to your face. Well, Jesse, you know, thanks so much for doing this docket with me. It's been so much fun doing these docket only episodes. People really enjoy them. They make a nice uh, change of pace. We're obviously going to get back to uh, live litigants in the future. And since this is Max Fun Week, I know that means there are no surprises coming and we're just going to sign off now, right? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that could further from the truth, John. Wait, now, what are you doing now, Jesse? Judge John Hodgman, this is your life. Oh no, I don't want it at all. You, sir, are queen for a day. I'll take that for sure. Oh my God, yes. What's if that, I Julia? Could be the- well,
0: hold on. No, Julia says we we forgot to book all the people from Judge John Hodgman's life, and we don't have a brand new washer dryer for Judge John Hodgman.
1: Oh, but oh. I can. I can still be the 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 queen, the queen of the United Kingdom for a day, right? Ju- Julia, can you just get a couple of Max
0: Fun hosts on the line to help us answer questions? Is that a good fallback position? Okay, she's nodding. She's nodding yes. But no, no queen. No, no queen. I'm sorry. All right. Um, hey, it's it's not as good
1: as it sounds. Honestly, being queen of England, I just want to drive that Land Rover that Helen Mirren drove around in in the movie The Queen. That's my perfect life. You just want that beautiful royal blue suit. I kind of do. Yeah, that's true.
0: Okay, uh, our first Max Fun guest answerer is a, a decidedly qualified music expert, Rishikesh Hurway of the podcast Song Exploder. On Rishi's Ooh. show, he talks to musicians about songs they've created and breaks them down into their constituent pieces for you, the listener. Hey, Rishi, how you doing, pal? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. So, Hi, it's it's so nice
1: to have you here, Rishi. This is Queen John Hodgman. No, John, I don't have the power to make you Queen of England. I'm Queen of this courtroom, and I and and we are not amused, but we're very happy to welcome you, Rishi.
2: Do I address the judge as His Honor or His Majesty?
1: His, his
0: Honesty. <laughs> um, here, here's the question for Rishi. I'm kind of okay at playing the trombone. This comes, by the way, from Kyle. And I recently joined a brass band. We play together every Thursday and Sunday, and I really enjoy doing it. Here's my problem. My coworker and fellow trombone-playing friend Maria wants me to join a second band with her. This band is bigger, plays harder pieces, and goes on a couple of trips every year. I'd need to commit to two or more hours of rehearsal every week and five weekend trips a year. I don't have time for more rehearsal every week and I'm miserable grump on band trips. Judge Hodgman, please tell Maria she has to stop bothering me about joining the second band. And if you like, you could order her to try on my shoes for a week to see how they fit. I'm a freelance illustrator and comic artist, so she could try managing my projects and going to both sets of rehearsals. Exclamation mark.
1: Well, first of all, I may I may have to let Rishi take a, a stab at this while I reread the second half of this question cuz I got hung up at this brass band is bigger plays harder pieces and goes on a couple of trips a year and I was just thinking harder meaning more complicated or harder meaning like more hardcore <laughs> <laughs> like yeah real, some like real hard brass they play only a c d c tunes <laughs> i i would i
0: would I would totally hear it
1: that's Led zeppelin being played by a brass band. So I, while I recon... I like it, yeah. Yeah, but not on the trombone. That sounds more like a... Because it's not... slide The the notes aren't sliding. You're you're punching them. Like there's a valve instrument that you're playing on right now, like a trumpet or a flugelhorn. Yeah. Look, I haven't really studied the instrument flugelhorn. since I was 14 years old, but I know a few things about the brass section. You know what I mean? So while I reread the second half of this question, I'm going to throw it to Rishi right now with this question... The, uh, Kyle writes I am kind of okay at playing the trombone If you are kind of okay at playing the trombone In your opinion, Rashid Should you be playing the trombone at all?
2: It depends on what the stakes are The stakes seem pretty low So I, I think it's okay, it's alright At least in this first brand, the, f- the first band seems like the stakes are low Seems like they're appropriate stakes For this guy's chops
1: So, so you think But now Maria is pushing this guy To play some more hard brass Yeah And my question is,
2: I don't know if you guys have this information. Is Maria in both bands or is she only in the second band? I think Maria is in the second band. And not in the first band. But she's like, well, you're playing in one band. Why don't you join this other one that I'm in also?
1: Well, with respect, I think it's immaterial. Maria has made her choice. She just wants to play in a whole bunch of bands and play the hardest music possible. She just wants to rock out. She sounds like a flugelhornist, if I've ever known one. You know what I mean? She's not respecting the fact that the trombonist is a, you know, that the, they're a different they're a different breed of player. You know what I mean? They're like, uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the bass line, in a in a in a New Orleans style jazz band. That means I'm gonna work three hours a day, and then I'm gonna sit around and and uh, drink and reminisce the rest of the time. You know what I mean? This is a the trombone is a sliding, cool instrument, and even if this guy were more proficient on it. He shouldn't be, and no one asks a trombonist to do more than they feel like, in my opinion. What do you think?
2: I think that this is actually, we're, we're actually missing the, the crucial part of the, the message. The, uh, the so I, I think that Kyle is right. I think that Maria should yeah. stop bothering him. But it actually has nothing to do with the schedule. I think you're right. Keep,
1: what do you think? I, I I like where you're going with this.
2: So the the crucial thing that he said was that, that he is a miserable grump on band trips. Okay. So this doesn't actually, it doesn't matter what his schedule is like or how busy he is or how busy he thinks he is or what Maria thinks about that. That alone should end the whole thing because, um, as somebody who's been on tour a lot and really enjoys tour, there is nothing that makes tour less fun for everybody else than being on tour with even just one person who isn't having fun.
1: Yeah, and you can't force someone to have fun uh, if they're not going to. Right. So my feeling is that we don't know Maria's true intentions here, but they have to be three kinds. One is that she is trying to reform Kyle in some way to make him like band trips when he just doesn't, which is a stupid and impossible errand, and she should stop. Two... Her hardcore brass band really needs a trombonist, and he's the only one. And so she's going to just try to keep recruiting him for that reason, but she should stop. And three, the only other reason you would push someone to join a brass band when they don't want to is when uh, you uh, are secretly in love with them and you want to hug and kiss them. A.K.A. the high school band theory. Exactly. She wants him on the road on those on those band trips so they can share a hotel room together in Albuquerque. You feeling me, Rishi? What do you think?
2: I think you're talking about a different kind of trombone, a rusty trombone.
0: Oh, get him off! Get him off! Off. Out of here! I thought that's where
1: he was going with it. This is, you know, this is a children's podcast, (laughs) effectively. (laughs) I think she's trying to seduce. No, that's okay. I'm just fooling. I think she's trying to seduce him. I think so too. That was
0: the first thing I thought of. Well, there's two things. There's two possibilities. There's
1: one rule in the court of Judge Sean Hodgman. The first thing you think of is always the best and rightest. What was the second thing you thought of, Jesse? You said there are two possibilities. I don't really know how hard it is to find a
0: trombone player, but maybe it's really hard to find a trombone player.
1: It is hard because trombonists just... (laughs) I'm totally making out of whole cloth this cliche about trombonists. The trombonists... They don't want to work too hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, trombonists are mad lazy. Yeah. No one's picking up the trombone because uh so that they can they can get into every marching band there is. Picking up that trombone because they want to sit on a porch and just go Ooh You know what I mean? They want to find the note their own way.
0: Ask the other members of any trombone intensive band. Chicago, Tower of Power. Uh, The Dirty Dozen Brass Band. John Philip Sousa and Friends. The the Music Mans. (laughs) (laughs) Professor Harold Hill. (laughs) Ask Professor Harold Hill. He'll tell you about how lazy trombonists are. He needed 76 of
1: them for one gosh darn band. But very quick before we move on to our next surprise guest, Rishi, you say you love to go on tour when you tour what are your favorite cities to go to philadelphia is a nice one yes last time i
2: was in i played in philadelphia i got taken to a secret cookie making factory
1: uh
2: and it was amazing
1: you uh, you have made me speechless a secret (laughs) cookie making factory what are you talking about they're making secret cookies the cookies, the, the, cookies are, the cookies are not available to the public. The cookies were are claimed to, to be handmade, but are actually factory made. They're Illuminati cookies that, that are, that are it, made secretly in Philadelphia and shipped to the Bilderberg group every year.
2: No, it was like, uh, it was this kitchen, um, in the, I think it was in the Fishtown neighborhood. That's a neighborhood in Philadelphia, I think. It is Fishtown. Yes. All right. Um, oh, and it, is that no. Pittsburgh? That's Pittsburgh. Um, Anyway, there was a it was a it was called like because the, they had a name like the Fishtown Biscuit Company. No, it is Philadelphia.
1: Like you're right. I apologize. It is Philadelphia. It's a neighborhood in Philadelphia. Okay. So um, you were saying.
2: So, yeah, these guys had this there was a kitchen and they would rent it out at night. You know, it was like a regular business during the day and then at night they would rent it out to different people and there was this one group of like 3 3 kids. Two guys and a girl, and they used to, and they would make uh, cookies and donuts, like mini donuts, um, at night, and then deliver them to cafes and stuff during the day. I got to go there after a show, and you know, make some donuts and eat the donuts. It was it was incredible.
1: Well, when you were saying cookies, which I don't care about because I hate all sweets, I was not interested. But donuts are one of the exceptions because they're fried, and I w- I would love to go and. Fry some secret donuts after my show in Philadelphia on the 17th of October at the Underground Arts. So, um, uh, so let me know, Fishtown. I'll come around and make up a donut with you. And I apologize for uh, putting you in Pittsburgh. I got confused there for a minute. That sounds great. I love going on tour so much. I love finding these things. It's so much fun. Let's go on tour together sometime, Rishi. That sounds
2: great. I, I might be on tour. I mean, I will be on tour, and in Seattle on November fifteenth with one of your friends, uh, John Roderick. Oh yes, I'm um, doing a live version of Song Exploder at the Rendezvous Theater. Uh,
1: at, at the at the uh, the 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 Rendezvous with John Roderick. Yes, yes, yeah, right. That's the that's the hottest ticket in Seattle. Everybody, and John Roderick, you know, is one of the greatest uh, talents of uh, music and talking. He's going to be talking about
2: um, how he made a Long Winters song.
1: Fantastic. And that'll be November, say the date again? November 15th. November 15th. That is mid-November, exactly, in Seattle, Washington. Hot ticket. I'd go and get one right now. I'm sorry, I can't be there because I'm going to be performing somewhere else in this dumb nation. I hate going on tour. I take it back. Can't do the things (laughs) I want to do.
0: Rishi, thank you so much for joining us on Judge John Hodgman. Thank you so much for having me. Rishikesh Herway, host of Song Exploder, our Max Fun sister podcast, a totally amazing show. He's also the musician behind the 1 a.m. radio.
1: Well, that was really great. I love that song, Exploder, and uh, that's in one of the Max Fun podcasts. And uh, that was a fun surprise on Max Fun Week. I'm sorry I can't be the queen. But, you know, I can only take one surprise a day before I have uh, terrible heart palpitations. So oh, gosh. Uh, now we're going to wrap it up. I'm, thank you very much, everyone. No, but what what is it, Jesse?
0: Uh, I don't. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, you know how you expected to talk to two more max fun hosts through the course of this program no and i didn't expect
1: that at all that would come as a tremendous surprise for me
0: oh um what if i told you that yesterday i told you that you would talk to nate DeMeo next well today then i wouldn't then i wouldn't be surprised Oh, great. Well, we're going to talk to Nate DeMeo, the host of the Memory Palace. Um, What? Yeah,
1: Nate is not... I remember that from yesterday. Why are you even telling me now? Wait a minute. You're surprised that I'm telling you a second time? I'm, I'm surprised you would insult my intelligence by telling me this again. Oh, just don't die on me, Hodgman. (laughs) That's okay. I have heart palpitations all the time.
0: So Nate is not only the host of the Memory Palace podcast, he is also a sometime writer for uh, Grantland, the popular sports and culture website, and uh, a huge sports fan. So we thought we'd bring Nate a sports-related question. Hi, Nate.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. Hi. Hi, Nate. This is Queen John Hodgman for a day. Hello, your I told him we were
0: going to do a queen for a day thing, but then I found out that Julia didn't get it together to get all the stuff that you need, the tiara and everything. So I tried to cancel it, but the judge isn't listening. Um, well,
1: I've, I have my own tiara and my own orb and scepter. So I am ready for my coronation. But for now, I guess we're going to ask you a sports question because Jesse wants to talk about sports every day. And I want to talk about it. No days. And now I am. Uh, I am going I am I am going to listen to to your sports knowledge. So let's talk about running and kicking games
3: on a day in which you are clean. You you don't even get your way.
1: No sport. Sports is sports is more powerful than any constitutional monarchy As, (laughs) as the United
0: Kingdom well knows. Here's our question from Michelle. I have a dispute with my husband, Paul. I contend that when we attend a baseball game, we should pick a team to root for during the game because this adds to our enjoyment of the game. Paul seems to think that the game's enjoyable by its very existence and you don't need to pick a team if you don't have a rooting interest.
1: What say you, DeMeo? Wait a minute, Jesse. Jesse and Nate, I'm sorry to interrupt. I I think there must have been some problem with our connectivity. Jesse, did you read the question? Yeah, you couldn't hear me. Can you hear me now? All I heard was
0: "Mo baseball): So you're telling me that you're one of the peanuts gang, and I'm the teacher from Peanuts
1: whenever I talk about sports. I just heard sports." Go ahead, Nate. you You better take this one because I don't talk this language
3: how do you expect to adjudicate it if you can't if you can't if you can't hear beyond the the sad trombone
1: that doesn't matter and wow that's an amazing that's an amazing trombone callback how did you know we were just talking about trombones and how did you and why did you think of sad trombone and i didn't for that last case oh a sad trombone those are the words to a sad trombone you know
3: (laughs) i've stolen the tiara
1: you, to- you totally have, and you should run with it, and that is a sport that I can support.
3: <laughs> the t- running with tiaras.
1: Steal and run with the tiara.
3: I, I love the way that this question is traded, because it really does sound like, you know, two of, like, you know, Bertie Wooster's friends out for an, an outing. Like, when you, <laughs> when you attend the baseball game. But, you know, I think that, uh, see, I, can, I have this hunch that John, uh, John Todd doesn't seem to enjoy sport. Or sports, as we call it here in the United States, um, which A doesn't surprise me, and B is a fundamentally terrible position. Because sport. sports is sports is. I mean, added, first of all, it's the only thing that we, as a nation, um, you know, we may all love our podcasts listened to by a small percentage of the population. Some of us may produce them. We may all love our bands listened, you know, listened to by a small percentage of the population. We may all enjoy our fringe uh, candidates and our fringe conspiracy theories, and live in a world where we feel like those things are not fringe. Yet, sports is the one thing in American and, and in extent global c- culture that um, you know, if you get stuck, if you get stuck talking to like a dude at a wedding, you might be able to fake your way through a conversation. Otherwise, you're not going to say, "Hey, you know, I really enjoyed the new Young Thug album." it doesn't work that way.
1: Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I see what you're saying, and you're right. Sports is, is truly the last remnant of mass culture and, and perhaps the most universal culture that we have. But I have a trick. I don't get stuck with a dude at a wedding.
3: <laughs> Interesting. Well, there is, there's always the weather.
1: Well, there's, all, there's, the, there's the weather, there's sports, there's uh, Star Wars. You can probably talk Star Wars with any dude, too. That's my, that's my trick but I'm not going to hang out with any bros at a wedding no way um that's I don't get any good gossip that way all right go on
3: um its you know and so i you know i while i may i have grown up uh uh like, uh liking sports just by you know just by for usual reasons there's a dad there's a bat there's a ball there's a backyard there's a boy et cetera I know what two of those things are <laughs> exactly so. Um, but as I progressed, you know, and, and went on to find, you know, books and literature and, and comics and music, et cetera, sports for me always sort of stayed with me, you know. So even even at uh, my most underground, even at my most uh, arty, et cetera, um, I have always uh, loved professional baseball. Sure.
1: Oh, yeah. The, everyone, Everyone loves the wholesome, nostalgic appeal of their favorite running and kicking game. That's that's that yeah of course I understand I under, look I like I like sports fine Nate I just don't I don't like everyone saying that I'm a weirdo for not liking sports and that I have there's some moral imperative for me to like sports and really support a sports team that, that to me is just a matter Judge Hodgman, of, of, just of because, cultural chauvinism
0: just because you briefly pl- played professional high ally in the late 1960s does not mean that you actually
1: like sports fine I was going to go all the way I was going to go all the way but they shut it down and here's the thing that I, that I will say that I will say I like baseball quite a bit I think soccer is boring, but I'm not going to get in the way of anybody loving the thing that they like. It's a it's that seems to me like an an, uh, an unendurably boring playground game that just never ends. Foot professional football is becoming harder and harder to defend. Certainly, and no easier for me to understand what's going on. And and yet it also gets uh, not tarred with the brush, but rather illuminated with the brush of wholesome nostalgia, which I think is gross when you look at at how how human beings, you know, human beings are traded as cattle in most professional sports, but few human beings end up as being uh, physically ruined by their activity as professional uh, football players and. They have a choice to go into that, but I don't feel they're well supported. So that's the only sport where I feel like I don't get—I don't get why you like it, and I certainly don't find any of your defences to be compelling. But I'm not going to interfere with your—I'm not going to interfere with your with your uh, love of it. And you and, and we're all adults, and you should go and do your thing. Don't, but please don't sneer at me because I want to have a conversation about shana na right now, which I kind of do, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on have been on a Sha na personal uh k-hole since uh, Andy Daly brought it up on his on his podcast his Wolfman hot dog podcast and it's just been in my mind but to go on but the question I have for you Nate is as a sports fan and as a baseball fan and as someone who agrees, I think even with me, that baseball has an intrinsic pace and beauty and strategy to it, which is, which is artful and not, and not merely exciting, or, and actually very rarely exciting. Do you think it's okay for Michelle to go to a game and say, I'm not rooting for any of these teams, I just enjoy watching them throw the bat around, or whatever it is? Or do you think you need to pick a team to root for, or else you're not enjoying sports the right way?
3: Well, I believe it was Michelle's husband. so let's not damn uh, Michelle with, right. with that particular brush. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, for me, like, I, you know, I, there is a lot of nonsense that gets tossed around with baseball. There's a lot of, you know, if one tunes into PBS and, and, and we see Ken Burns and various, you know, white guys uh, in, in walrus mustaches and George Will and, and all sorts of objectional, you know, uh, but Caucasia, um, you know, talking about the beauty of the game and the symmetry of the lines and all of this bull****. <laughs> Unfortunately, all that bull**** is true. It is a beautiful game, and its lines are wonderfully symmetrical, and its uh, past is is storied and lovely, and and its season follows the waxing and waning and single summer and all of that nonsense that it turns out that despite myself, um, I love. So Mm -hmm. I can understand the instinct to want to go, you know, to say, oh, I just love the beauty of the game. But sports and baseball, as one of them, um, and high even in its own way, um, is all about story. It's all about narrative. It's about it's about characters, and uh, you know it it's it is a it is one of the only places that you can go. And yes, this, yes, the story is going to be you know there are going to be familiar elements. There are going to be nine innings. Maybe there'll be uh, maybe there'll be seventeen. There probably won't be one hundred and forty five, but there certainly won't be like negative five. Like you know more or less what you're going to get. But so like a, like you know a Liam Neeson movie is going to feature one sort of angry phone call. Like you know, sort of what to expect, but there's there can be much variety within it. Like with a, like a perfect pop stop. it might be four minutes, it might have a four-four beat, but there's tons of exciting stuff that can, that can happen, um, mm-hmm. you know, within that. So, but if but what is exciting is the story. What is exciting is the outcome. And to me, a story needs to have some sort of protagonist and some kind of some kind of antagonist. Those things can swap. Those things can be you know, multifarious, et cetera, but you need to have someone to latch on to. Like, to say that you're going to go, um, you know, into this, like, wonderful, weird, story, live storytelling meeting of sports um, and not choose one of the sides is like saying you're going to go to the theater because you like looking at flat wood, um, you know, for the stage. Like, that's, it, that's to me, that uh, I'm, I'm calling the on on this gentleman's premise
1: well well to be to 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 be fair to be fair though uh the the barrymore theater in madison wisconsin has a beautiful wide pine stage and (laughs) i often find it hard to perform there as as i will be doing later this month because i'm often just want to stare at the stage the entire time
3: no and i'm sure that i'm sure that you know at least a good 40 percent of the audience We'll be going there, expecting sure. to really stand uh, upstairs at the floor upon. We 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 those call, people we, are
1: called subscribers.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's a be- that's a better joke than mine. I, I was gonna I was gonna call them uh, stage nerds. <laughs> Here's <laughs> the
0: thing. I mean, from my perspective, the thing that's really special about sports is that it is a conflict that is both completely real and absolutely meaningless. So exactly. when you sign up for sports, you get something that is genuinely thrillingly happening before your eyes with a built-in structure, a built-in narrative, as, as Nate said, that is absolutely positively real, that you can invest yourself in as though it were real, because it is. And but the, the outcome th- is unknown. Yeah, but at the same time, I can hate Yasiel Puig of the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I do for absolutely no reason other than the fact that he wears a dumb blue uniform with a dumb blue hat that says Dumb L.A. on it, and I hate the Dodgers. Oh, I hate the Dodgers so much. I really hate the Dodgers. So the 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 fun of it is to invest yourself in what's happening. Um, otherwise, you lose most of what's fun about it. I mean, it's neat to see someone do a move, and you know I know that for a lot of people who go to
1: baseball games they just like to sit in the sun and drink beer <laughs> right and lord knows no one likes no one no one likes to watch dudes standing around more than me but but even I when I go to a Kansas City Royals game as I did earlier this year will root for the Kansas City Royals I would find it hard even if you knew nothing about either team hard not to just naturally gravitate toward one or the other to, to I agree
3: completely yeah I think I find I, I find you know uh, I find her uh her uh partner's uh decision here like it, it's it's a completely monk-like arbitrary position uh, you know ultimately sort of uh, baseless position
1: here, here's what I think is going on first of all Paul, the husband who says he should be allowed to just go to the game to enjoy the game, there are two possibilities here. One is that he is um, neurologically atypical and, and do, would not read a book and get involved in the plot of the characters, but enjoy the shape of the letters more. Do you know what I mean? That could be. Two is that he is trying to drive his wife crazy. <laughs> By not by maybe not rooting for the team she wants him to root for, or for trying to undermine her love of sports, which is something that I have learned uh, is a, is a, is an act of simple cruelty. And I think that Michelle, in this case, is, is having listened to both of you uh, explain sports better to me and understanding it better now. I agree. I think Michelle uh, is correct uh, that her husband Paul is just a whiny nerd who should get into the game and stop, and stop resisting for the sake of resisting. Baseball, of all of the sports, is the one where you could start out rooting for one team, and then a thousand pages later, you might say, well, I've come around now. I think, uh, I think uh, Jamie Lannister is kind of a good guy, because it, it, it has that kind of epic, boring length to it. But you, but it is a story. This is the uh, this is conflict played out in front of you. It is it is a piece of theater, and to not invest in one character or another, it, 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 I think would require uh, uh, would, rec- would require neurological um, atypicalness. Uh, otherwise, I think he's just being uh, uh, combative, and he should stop. I'm rooting for Michelle. Go 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 go, Michelle. Go 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 go, Michelle. Fight fight fight. Michelle wins. What do you think, Nate? Do you agree or disagree?
3: I completely agree. I, I, you know, to me, and I also feel like to Michelle, to this man, I would like to say there is great wisdom in the sort of early scriptures of baseball. One, roots, roots, roots for the home team. That's, I feel like why go to a place, you know, unless you, like my dad, my dad had a, a, some guiding principles about who to root for when, uh for the neutral. And I will impart them uh, to the Judge John Hodgman listener here. First, you work for your team if you have one. So the team that you because they happen to be from your city, the team that you fell in love with because their players were exciting to watch or extra handsome or extra beautiful, or whatever it might be. So that's that's team that's tier one. Team two um, is the black is the black quarterback uh, corollary. That my dad set out uh, during the early 1980s. He, he felt it correctly that there were not enough black quarterbacks. That it didn't make any it didn't make any sense. It was only racism that kept um, African Americans from from playing at that position. So therefore, you you should if you have if you're not rooting for your own team, you should root for the black quarterback. Quarterback was essentially saying you should root for justice. So that might so that might be you should root against the team that might be harboring. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the criminal or the person that abuses their wife, you know, or, uh, their wife or whatever that might be. So always, so there's the justice vote, which is a good one. And then finally, I think you root for the home team because why not, if you're in a crowd full of people, get on board. Why not, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people and you're having beers in the sunshine and everything's lovely and you're doing that classic ultimate minion thing of watching men stand around, Why not get on board and cheer with the crowd?
0: I'll throw in a fourth level for situations when you're watching two out-of-town teams play each other, both of which are roughly equally just and neither of which is your team. Root for the team with the prettier outfit. It never fails to root for the team with the outfit, outfit that appeals to you more. It will always be the St. Louis Cardinals because they have the most beautiful uniforms in sports. But if they're not playing, I guess it won't always be the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: <laughs> yeah, Hartford Hartford Whalers fans know that I go gaga for sports logos, especially of the 70s and 80s. And so, so the Hartford I'm Hartford
3: Whalers logo is the single best logo uh, ever.
1: It's like you've never listened to my podcast before. No, I that that came off as combative, maybe because I'm all jacked up on sports now.
3: You mean wh- org? I
1: I love that Hartford Whalers logo so much. Here is a comparison. I'm fairly confident no one has ever made. Looking at the Hartford Whalers logo is like reading The Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Every time I look at it, I see something new. Yeah, I left you speechless with that, didn't I? Finally, I I got my podcast back from this sports talk show that you two started going on.
3: <laughs> we'll have a we'll have we'll put a whale's tail on the, uh, the the fluke of a whale on on your tiara.
1: Have you read Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons?
3: I've heard, I've, I've probably read it uh, four times, but right. but, but in a beautiful good. way every several years. So yeah, you yes. do find new things, much like new the world every time. Whalers, as yeah. I've often. All
1: right. Good, good, good. And I don't have to upbraid you for not having read it. And I know Jesse is over there going, mm, these nerds. So I'm let's thinking uh, about the late 50s St. Louis Cardinals logo. I,
0: I really like when the when the two Cardinals are on each end of the bat. And yeah. they got know, their red, pretty. white, and blue striped socks. It's like a seesaw.
3: It's and they're de- already, that's true. It's, they're playing together. But the problem is I feel like your your Cardinal love and your anti-assault league suggest that like playing the game the right way, which might make us on opposite sides of
1: the uh, the brooding pool <laughs> All right, no more sports talk, Nate. I love having you on the podcast, but you got to get out of here. Your, You're your, your unlocking uh, parts of Jesse's brain that I that I usually try to shut down.
0: <laughs> Nate DeMeo, host of MaximumFun.org's The Memory Palace, which is a beautiful monthly story from the annals of history. There's a couple of them about sports, actually, but it's not mostly a sports show. If you hate sports, it's okay. Go we'll listen not. to it. It's totally amazing, wonderful, brilliant program. Probably the best show that Maximum Fun distributes. Thanks, um, Jesse. Thank you a lot. You're welcome, John. Thank <laughs> you, Nate. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. We'll have one last Max Fun host adjudicated case when we come back in just a second.
1: Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura, A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously, see why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, the Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get twenty dollars off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A U R A. Frames.com promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babel. Okay, it's twenty, twenty, twenty four, twenty, twenty, twenty four. Oh, if hindsight were twenty twenty, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash hodgman.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
4: Just one more week till max fun drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year.
4: And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows.
2: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly, incredibly fascinating.
3: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app
2: and at MaximumFun.org.
0: Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast, Max Fun Week edition. We are being joined by some of our favorite Max Fun hosts to help us answer questions from the docket. Uh, our next guest, Griffin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me. Uh, my brother, my oh, brother, and I me. like that. Po- I like that
1: podcast. He's one of the brothers, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. No, he's me. Oh,
0: <laughs> um, Griffin. Griffin's show, My Brother, My Brother and Me, is an advice podcast uh, in which the advice is inerrantly wise and almost never completely inane and ridiculous. Um, Griffin, we have something that falls directly into your wheelhouse for you. um, Something that you have talked about on your show before. First of all, welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
4: Gee, gee, thanks, Jesse. I I hope I can say some stuff that's not completely inane. (laughs) Way to to build me up, buttercup.
1: Um, If I could just say something, I also want to welcome Griffin. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, if you haven't listened to My Brother, My Brother and Me, first of all, shame on you. Of the three brothers, Griffin is perhaps the wisest, the funniest, it. the most eloquent, and f- certainly the fastest on his feet. And if you ask him to say a thing, he will say a thing you have never heard before, and you will drive off the road. Whew. And you'll be glad to do it, because you will know that you are dying with both entertainment and wisdom you didn't think possible. <laughs> like By the like, way, I hope...
4: I hope none of you die. Sorry, what? Like the archangel of death, I will sing you sweetly to, to thy grave.
1: Yes, but I do hope you don't die, at least not before you get to hear this amazing human being say if, just a few words on my podcast. Thank you for having I hope I didn't build you up too much, Griffin.
4: No, that you are actually the opposite of Jesse in that regard. Thank you very much. Griffin,
0: I think you're the prettiest McElroy. There's no question.
1: No question. No question about that. Come on. We all know that. Justin and
4: Travis Travis will be heartbroken
0: to hear this. Well, sorry, boys. It's the truth. Sometimes the
1: truth hurts. They're hideous elephant men compared to you. The whole world knows it. And, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just let's just move on. Here's a question from William. My wife, Laura,
0: and my best friend, Kate, think it's funny to talk loudly about nerd culture, video games, fantasy books, comic books, and the like, in public. They know it embarrasses me. I know that nerd culture is now mainstream culture, but I'm about a decade older than both of them, and I'm still extremely uncomfortable with letting the nerd flag fly. When I was growing up, being open about your nerdy hobbies was just asking for trouble. It took me many years and several relationships to learn that my tastes weren't something I had to hide from loved ones. I'm happy that younger people don't worry as much about these things, but I still get uncomfortable with loud public discussions of elves and Sandor Clegane and Pern and Ultima Underworld. Judge Hodgman, will you order Laura and Kate speak sotto voce about these things in public or not at all?
4: (laughs) It's pretty, so pretty, pretty brazen of them to be talking about pern in public. I...
0: <laughs> pern serious.
1: That's the heavy yeah. hitters. That should be reserved for <laughs> muted tones, spoken o- spoken only in temples of nerddom, and away from the ears, the gross ears of the unclean, who wouldn't understand it and might and might noogie me for talking about it. I would say that it sounds like if a, like a, an Appalachian person said the word porn. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're here to take the more practical approach. The Appalachian approach, if you will. Well, I have formed an opinion about this case just now and about William, who brings the case forward. That is quite strong and immediate. But so I'm going to hold my tongue for a moment. So that you, Griffin, may wade in to this discussion.
4: Terrific. So you've established that there's a correct answer to this problem. And now you're going to test me to see if I can. How, how loudly are these people speaking? You, you say they're speaking extremely loudly. Why? Well, I, I mean, my, my opinion is that you shouldn't speak loudly about anything in public for any reason at all.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's I've, I honestly, Griffin, I think that's at the heart of this question. I mean, I think it would it's easy to say, you know, uh, be who you are, believe in your heart, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's a question of whether these people are suffering from a little bit of classic nerd lack of awareness of their actions effect on those around them.
4: Perhaps they just don't they have no control over the volume of their voice.
0: In
1: general, for any for any sense. Yeah. I just want to talk about Anne McCaffrey right now. <laughs> Waiter.
0: <laughs> Waiter. Can I, can I get some more
1: roles? And would you like to talk about Ursula K. Le Guin? Um, I think Jesse, I... you're missing a critical point though, which is that William writes my f- wife, Laura and my best friend, Kate. First of all, this guy's married and his best friend's a woman. There's a lot of tension going on in this situation. This is an un unstable well, there is, triad. prior. There's now. Now yeah. now there is tension. You now have burst burst it out. out. They think it's funny. Let me just break. They think it's funny to loudly talk about nerd culture in public, which suggests to me that they're not nerds. And uh, and this and, and my suspicion is cemented. That's not a that's not a way to say anything. My suspicion is confirmed by this last point. They know it embarrasses me. They are doing this with purpose. Not because they just like to yell out loud. They are trying to embarrass their nerd husband friend.
4: I see. So they, they are trying to inflict uh, uh, emotional and social harm upon this person. Are you suggesting that they are perhaps a bully or maybe even a jock?
0: Or
1: even worse, a cyber bully. The question is <laughs> the question is out there, I think. Did you marry a jock? Without, oh God, it's so
4: Did- it's so hard to tell. If There's it an happens accident. in a text message, it's cyberbullying. Well, no, I'm not talking about the when I guess when
0: people talk to each other out loud in public, that's not cyber in nature at all. Jesse, it's what about if it happens on Snapchat? That's cyberbullying. Absolutely. The, I read about if, it in
1: Newsweek. What if the what if the girl what if the the best friend or wife, what if one of them is a cyborg? And <laughs> it's cyberbullying again. Right.
4: Right. Oh, and that would explain the not being able to control the volume of their voice. <laughs> that dial might be broken off.
1: That's true. That's true. Because all cyborgs come with a volume control knob. <laughs> of course they do. It's yeah. standard issue. What kind of cyborg doesn't have a volume control knob? It's on that I chest didn't, panel. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't have half my body uh, updated with new technology, so I couldn't control the sound of my voice with a knob. I like sure. the feel of a knob. I don't want a digital
4: control. No. It's It's not right. It's retro. Car car manufacturers trying to sell that. It's just the one screen and everything, air conditioning, everything you do through the screen. Who? No, thanks. Nobody Nobody likes
1: that. Yeah, exactly. I just want to dial in my favorite oldie station and listen to my sha na na. Mm -hmm. I'm going for mouthfeel. All right. That's gross. Where are you on the subject now that I've pointed out that Laura and Kate are bullying William? That they're, that they're jocks.
4: Um, I, it, for me, it's just the volume of the discussion, regardless of subject matter. I think it's impolite to shout yeah. for for any reason in in public. I think I think the only the only person who is allowed to speak loudly about Ultima Underworld is, the is Richard is Richard Garriott, creator of the Ultima franchise, oh, which boy. he created and made enough money from
1: to go to space. <laughs> He is the man. most fascinating man <laughs> currently living. <laughs> Tell me more about him because I'm thinking I'm th- I don't know about this guy and I'm thinking it might chase out my Shana Na obsession. There's a terrific documentary, I believe, on, on, on
4: Netflix, uh, which is great because mm-hmm. you don't have to pay anything for it.
1: Whoa. Um, Whoa. They don't
4: sponsor this podcast, dude. Uh, I did. I say Netflix. I meant some some online service.
1: No, I'm Uh, a I'm a a subscriber to Netflix, and I'm glad to to know where it is. But I don't need to be hearing you sneaking in little endorsements.
4: I have a secret sponsorship. Personally, it did not go through (laughs) Max Fund. It went through back channels. This this this
1: Richard Garriott, his dad. I'm only only doing this because the guys from Hulu are right behind me right now. Sure. his
4: dad was an astronaut, but he's too feeble and sickly to be an astronaut. Right. And he has a, a weird ponytail. And they don't let those people become astronauts. So sure. he invented this video game franchise, made a bunch of millions of dollars, and they went to Russia. He was like, How much money? They were like six million dollars. He was like, Here you go. And then they said you gotta get rid of that ponytail first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a space hazard. <laughs> That thing you comes off have, there, yeah. In zero can't. gravity, it could it could go down somebody's throat. Is it a long?
1: Lo- is it a is it a long ponytail or is it a, is it a little tiny middle aged man ponytail? It's long and tiny. It's it's long, length, long, and but
4: <laughs> uh, but so so narrow, like a, yeah. like a
1: pencil. You can't have <laughs> it's that. It's the a,
4: girth that matters.
1: Yeah, you sure. can't have that in a weightless environment. Exactly. I saw. I I, I recently saw a talk given by a, a well known Canadian astronaut. And he was talking about living on the International Space Station for months at a time. And that that is a uh, co-educational tour of duty. Uh, And even if it weren't, I realized that at that length of time, there have got to be people hooking up on the space station. Oh, absolutely. It has to be happening.
0: I've talked to Mary Roach about this, the author of uh, Packing for Mars, which
1: features an entire
0: chapter on sex acts in space.
1: Sure. Well, I, I, this is what I, so I, I approached Canadian astronaut afterward and I said, do we know on record who is the first couple to have Congress in space? And he said, it has never happened. And I looked into his Canadian eyes and he utterly convinced me, but I think he's lying. No, it,
4: it it, would, there are, there have been many rendezvous with Rama up there, if you know, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying.
1: Keep your voice down, <laughs> sir. I don't, I'm uncomfortable with with revealing information about our weird tribe. We might be approached <laughs> by bullies at any moment to, this is my, so this is what I want to say about William. I judge William very harshly. You no way you're going to get this court to play along with your self-loathing. You're sitting there going, I still feel uncomfortable. I still feel like we ought to be quiet about the things that we love. No way, dude. There are people getting loud about sports. There are people getting loud about the, the their favorite tumblers. And uh, and and by loud, I'm speaking metaphorically here. You can openly and I agree because I agree with Griffin. You shouldn't be shouting about your weird things. And the sports people really have to take it down. Oh my god! Why do they get? Why do they feel like they get to just yell about everything all the time? Well, because they've almost always had four beers. <laughs> yeah, true. I think it's fine to get drunk and talk about rendezvous with Rama with your friends. I don't. I am not going to play along with your self loathing. I am not going to tell. Uh, nerds who are legitimately excited about a thing in the in the comfort of their own home or at a meal that they're paying for to keep to keep their voices down and not make themselves essentially what you fear targets for noogies. But what I think is happening here is that Kate and Laura are figuratively noogieing poor William because they know he hates himself and they like to bring that out in him. And there's some part of some weird role playing that they're doing in their unstable romantic triad it's some kind of game that they're trying to implicate us in i think but truthfully i think that they're i think that for reasons of we're going on william's subjective assessment of their loudness they may not be speaking particularly loudly at all maybe not in a volume that you would find offensive griffin but if they are being too loud they should keep it down cuz we're all in a public place and they should also stop being cruel, because cruelty is bullying. Is bullying, uh, even if it's among nerds. I've learned that the hard way. I'm sorry, Elliot Kalin. Welcome to the Maximum Fun Network. <laughs> there, I said it, Jesse. Are you happy? <laughs> I'm happy.
4: That, I'm, that was a beef that has needed squashing for for so for so so long. What will the tabloids write about now?
1: No, it wasn't a b- it wasn't a beef, Griffin. It wasn't. If it were a beef, it would mean him and me. Coming to blows in 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 words, in verbal sparring, in physical sparring, it would be like we both have a point to make. This was me bullying a dude.
4: A one one way
1: beef. (laughs) It was a one way beef. I was beefing on him. I was just I was just bullying him and throwing my shoes at him in the halls of the Daily Show because. At first, I thought it was a fun meta joke to have one nerd bully another nerd. And then I realized I was a little bit bigger than him. I could get away with it. And it felt great. I suddenly knew what a bully felt like. And it's awesome. You also realize that one nerd bullying another nerd is just... You can just shorthand that to the internet. You you can just just call that Twitter now. (laughs) Yeah. Now, well, that's part of the reason why I stopped. First, I realized I was becoming a monster. I hated myself. And also, it's been done. But then... Hashtag GamerGate right the other, The other part of it is that um, uh, Elliot A uh, became the head writer of the daily show, so de facto my boss, and suddenly i could not i couldn't I just became a, a cringing coward around him. i couldn't bring it up i I, could, I couldn't raise the ire in me to bully him because i was I was even though we're friends, I was in some vestigial way, afeard for my status. I even gave him this giant nerf gun as a, as a tribute. To this powerful man <laughs> in my life and then he got this uh flop house podcast with his other two nerd friends whom i can still kind of refer to derisively sure Dan dan mccoy and that other guy whom, whose name i refuse to learn because i'm a monster because that makes me feel fun like a bully but now that podcast is racing up the charts leaving old judge john hodgman in the dust and now he's come over here to maximum fun to my house and that, well, Jesse's house the, where I rent a room. But he's come over to this house and he's taken. over. He's bullying me now. Turnabout is fair play, Griffin. That's what I'm saying to you, Youth of America. That's how I, that's you. You stand in for youth for me.
4: I, I appreciate that. It's appropriate. It's It's all, we're, we're, we're just one big, happy, nerd-bullying Ouroboros here on the Maximum Fun Network. Griffin's part of Generation Pokemon. That's true. And I, I was going to say, it's it's, it's germane to this conversation, but it, it's so liberating when you learn to accept the nerdy part of yourself and learn to make that an outwardly facing part of yourself. Um, like, say, for instance, uh, when you learn to have the courage inside yourself to play a Pokemon game on an airplane next to strangers.
1: Yeah. William, you need to get over your cringing self-hatred. And you also need to turn to Laura and Kate and don't tell them, shut up about nerd stuff. Tell them, stop being mean to me, or I'm going to divorce one of you and marry the other one. And that'll certainly upset every, the, the balance. Every 60 days. <laughs> that was a genuine laugh. The first of my life.
0: It's so hard <laughs> to tell.
1: Thank you so much, Griffin, for being on the show. Thank you for having me and saying
4: saying all those incredibly kind things. Uh, and that's, that's going... It's going on my epitaph. Wow, that was the first thing that came to mind. What's that's going on the epitaph? That's probably not great.
1: Well, I did say some nice things in order to set you up for failure. Unfortunately for comedy, you failed to fail. Well done. And I, and I, hope, and I, and I hope you don't die soon. Me
0: too. Good luck. Griffin McElroy, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Griffin is the host of My Brother, My Brother and Me, an advice podcast for the modern era. You can find it at MaximumFun.org, along with uh, Song Exploder from Rishikesh Hurway and The Memory Palace from Nate DeMeo and lots of other shows, including The House. Oh, really, Jesse? Come on. The Flophouse, I'm right here. The, the hit podcast oh. from, from writers of The Daily Show and
4: another guy. It's uh man, I started listening to that one this past weekend, and it's so great that I think I'm gonna have to take another podcast out of the rotation. Well, come I, on, f- for kindness' sake, I will
1: not say which one. You guys, you now you're you're ganging up on me. You're like Kate and Laura.
4: <laughs> it's actually throwing shade. Don't worry, your your spot's fine.
1: Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: um. Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to maximumfund.org/jjho. Maximumfund.org/jjho. And it's Max Fun Week. Get involved. Go to maximumfund.org/maxfunweek, and we'll see you at the meetups all across this great nation. Go to maximumfund.org/maxfunmeetups. Those are Sunday night from seven to nine p.m. local
1: time. That's Sunday, October nineteenth. Um, come to Madison, if- Wisconsin on that very night see me at the Barrymore Theater where I will be doing all new comedy newer than if you saw me last time at the Barrymore Theater with uh, Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy and because it's Max Fun meetup night we'll do a special Max Fun meetup watch my Twitter and Tumblr for the announcement and I haven't asked them yet but I think Bill and, 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 uh, and Kevin will be fine with you getting a DNA swab from them if you want <laughs> And if you're in Japan, I'll be there uh,
4: on my honeymoon. So please do not speak to or look at me. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Happy honeymoon. Oh, thank you.
4: It hasn't happened yet.
1: All my future uh, appearances, and there are many to come in October in such cities as Chicago, Milwaukee, uh, uh, Akron, Ohio, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia, and then in November, in New England, Burlington, Vermont; Lebanon, New Hampshire; Hartford, Connecticut; Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, are all uh, up and posted. And ticket information is online at johnhodgman.com com slash tour. I will be hanging out at all of these events to sign and talk afterward. But only one night, Madison, Wisconsin, will I do the official Max Fun Meetup because that's Max Fun Week Meetup night. That's all for this week's
0: Judge John Hodgman podcast. On behalf of Julia and Mark and John, I'm Jesse
1: Thorne. We'll talk to you next time. Maximumfun.org.
2: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.